1818, Mary Shelley published the first science fiction novel. And embodying the ambivalence of this book, it has two titles at once, Frankenstein or The Modern Prometheus. I'm Michelle Burnaby, nurse for Brooklyn Mines, and today I'm playing the role of the people in society we have somehow failed. <clears throat> for some days, I have haunted the spot where these scenes had taken place. It's the story of a young doctor, Victor Frankenstein, who makes out of a bunch of pieces of meat and the power of electricity a voyeuristic monster, who is, nonetheless, very good at explaining himself. I am alone and miserable. Man will not associate with me. Aww. But one as deformed and horrible as myself would not deny herself to me. This has an appealing logic. My companion must be of the same species and have the same defects. This being you must create. And although we haven't gotten around to reanimating the dead, we did create the internet. So we had to get an awesome IT manager at Brooklyn Mines, and his name is RJ, and he will be our guide. Uh, but as far as Zoom bombing goes, that's interesting too, and I'm like really shocked about how everyone's acting like it's this crazy new exciting thing because... So welcome to Remotely Possible. And today, we're talking all about the psychology of Zoom bombing and Zoom bombers. Like, this is as old as the internet. Carlene McMillan is our CEO. So there's a method to the, to the madness here. There's a reason why you're talking about Frankenstein. There's a reason why we're opening with Frankenstein. So you're not just letting being really indulgent? I mean, you are really indulgent, but I think that there's a purpose to this um, that really that has to do with who these Zoom bombers are, and that will be made clear as the episode progresses. Okay. No history of the COVID-19 era will be complete without talking about Zoom. Okay, yeah. Um, so people love Zoom because it's it's like really easy. Like my mom can figure it out to you know, in the morning for our kids to join for school. But it's basically got like, you know, nine digit locker password and you're in. Yeah. But if you put your locker password on Twitter, then other people are going to open up your locker. Web conferencing has been around for years. So have phones. If you want to call someone on the phone, you dial their number. If you guessed a number, you might get someone's phone. The same is true with Zoom. Yeah, uh, basically the nine-digit key which they give out, they're thinking in their mind that it's like your code to your locker. Why would you give that out? There's no purpose to doing that. So therefore, it's secure. So that's what Zoom was thinking. That one failure of mentalizing to not recognize that people aren't very good at being concerned about their security has led to all of this. It's a concept known as security through obscurity. So instead of actually making the thing, or in this case, the action secure, we're going to decide to make it obscure. We're going to hide it in some way. Think of it as the opposite of two-factor authentication. As long as you can happen upon 
the right sequence of numbers, eh, that's good enough. We get frustrated with technology, and we don't want to put up with it, and we just want to get into the web conference already. And it's not like we didn't make the same choice with telephone numbers. And that never ended up with anyone ever being embarrassed. Hello, Ben. Growing up in the 90s, I was vaguely aware that there were guys called the Jerky Boys who would make CDs of prank calls and calling up some unsuspecting number or other they found in the literal actual phone book. And their humor is pretty juvenile, but it was a thing. But if you listen closely enough, you can hear the echoes of Mary Shelley in this piece of comedy gold. Chickadee China, the Chinese chicken. Mommy? Chickadee China, Chinese chicken, you have? What do you mean? Chickadee China, the Chinese chicken. Have a drumstick, then your brain starts clicking. And I believe I win the Recursive Internet Reference Award here, because that was both the Jerky Boys and a reference to the best reply all episode ever, the case of the missing hit. As our IT manager RJ points out, these cryptography and pranking strategies are not new. So when you're a kid, you prank call someone. You dial a series of numbers or you flip through your phone book and you find that number. So that's fun and exciting for kids for reasons that I'm not quite sure about, but I guess it's the intrusion. You're jumping into someone's life. Now, so imagine if the Jerky Boys were deeply uninterested in doing anything other than horrifying everyone who heard every single call. And if you combine the perverse satisfaction of getting to watch us change naked through our webcams and combine with that being able to disrupt our most intimate gatherings. Well, it was, it was pretty horrifying actually. Um, completely unexpected. We were running, a um, an online seminar. Um, and now welcome our zoom bombies. Okay. Um, so, so my, my name is Dickon Bevington. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist, and um, and I work at the Anna Freud National Centre for Children and Families, and in the National Health Service in in the UK. In a, a lovely collaborative endeavour to try to gather, and there was this marvellous person speaking. His name was Owen Muir, in fact. Um, so they know it's a joke. The kids know it's a joke. The person they're pranking isn't in on the joke. And then therefore, ipso facto, I suppose it's funny. All the news articles are like, oh, my God, it's this crazy new thing called Zoom bombing. And we should be really worried about it. When in reality, it's older than the Internet itself. What follows is a fast summary of the key points of Frankenstein as it applies to this. So after the monster was put together and electrified to life. He scared the hell out of Victor, and he went off into the woods and found a family who he could watch and long to be part of. He taught himself how to read and write and became very erudite. And eventually, he decided to introduce himself to the family to be less lonely, but he's a monster, so they rejected him. Yeah, exactly. And it's a free, it's a, it's near, it's a nearly free craft. You know what I mean? It, there's no one holding you back. You know, if you don't have uh, a degree, uh, you can't get a good job. Uh, you're whatever. You're you're not able to work where you don't want to 
whatever. You know, it's easy to go online for six days and learn everything there is to know about remote access Trojans. And now all of a sudden, bam, you have a new hobby. And it also involves... So now not only do you are you fulfilled by having this new hobby, you're also connected to others because now we have something we can talk about that's not quote unquote boring or normie. Now, he wasn't just bored. He hated being apart. Zoom bombers, the most modern Prometheus. Says Promethei. But video bombers are sneaking into these virtual classrooms saying things that no child should ever hear. And that is someone who would never understand the world of a Zoom bomber. The only ones who can are other Zoom bombers. Am I getting that right, RJ? I think that they've lost that. I guess they've lost their ability to voyeur, which is what you're saying exactly what Frankenstein went through, right? But then it's also they get excited by it simultaneously too. And make no mistake, it's not like this is not a sexual thing. It is, but sometimes it's a lot of the time it's not a sexual thing too. It's it's a mixed bag of of weird, strange bonding. And as Dr. McMillan, our fearless leader, points out, when we connected on Zoom you know, the, it was magical, right? Going on Zoom during this pandemic has been magical in so many ways, and it's been amazing. And we're like, ooh, technology, technology so awesome. I can have an awesome virtual background of myself at Pee Wee's Playhouse or whatever. Just add some electricity. and Yeah, and unfortunately, um, it has led to unintended consequences. So... I'm afraid we created a monster. So, so I'm afraid that we've created a monster. Say that again with better intonation. <laughs> so I'm afraid we've created a monster. Like both Victor, who decided he was so special he could make life out of pieces of dead meat, and the monster who had the right to kill everybody and be the most sad person, there's a lot of narcissism at play here. And that's not just about you being great, it's about being the worst. But a lot of the times, it's about how sad you are, or how sad the writer is, you know. Uh, and it's you get, you know, the sadder you are, the more cred you have. I don't know. You're you're a psychiatrist. I don't know if you've delved into uh, two like this is a more of a Reddit thing that started from 4chan, but uh, two me IRL for me IRL. Have you heard of this concept? I had not. It's like this area of the internet that focuses specifically on memes about depression and how su- specifically how suicidal the author of the meme is. And it, it's almost like the more suicidal you are, the more cred you have. And it's, but I have to be honest with you, it's funny. And here's where the real dissonance hits. I'm a psychiatrist. I help suicidal people all day long. And here are people who are so suicidal and yet completely reject help. 
Uh, yeah, and they share best of clips, uh, best of, and they name the people a lot of the time. Uh, sometimes you'll see real names because they know their real names because they're watching them do their banking, their Facebooking, their Twittering, whatever. And to save us all some time, I'm going to do the short version. It's possible for hackers to get a thing called a remote access terminal or RAT and somehow stick it in your computer and watch you the whole uh, time. And then they basically, it's like reality TV, but actual reality television. Uh, and they. You mean like Jenny Cam? Exact, exactly. I haven't thought about Jenny Cam in a minute, but exactly that. They don't know that they're Jenny, but they are right and jenny was the first like streaming reality star yeah <laughs> yeah that's what i was gonna say i know you're not jenny because i would hopefully know about it and to check in with the experience of getting to involuntarily make the acquaintance of these little frankenstein's monsters let's check in with dickon that um we were kind of at the at, at the point of wrap up, and I'd I'd really just been listening in, in kind of awe and admiration, and and and, and a real sense of warmth um, about what was being shared and how generous the people were to share uh, about about working with extraordinarily vulnerable individuals. I mean, I can't emphasise that enough. The whole approach of my work has been to try to work out kind of ways of being making help more helpful as it's experienced by the people that we um, uh, sometimes I think arrogantly assume that we can help, but really trying to make help more helpful. So, you know, this was a, a genuine endeavor. And then in the midst of this, as I was asked to just do a few words to kind of wrap up, yeah, this kind of, um, I had the sort of Zoom has different ways of presenting it, but I had kind of a load of little boxes with people's faces in it and it all looked very very lovely and then all of a sudden a new box appeared and I kind of I was speaking at the time so I was kind of partly in my head um, uh, trying to make sure that I didn't say anything too idiotic um, which you all already have realized I, I, I'm more than capable of doing um, but but um, and then I just saw this image uh, initially just of a you know uh, a young child and and then it kind of very kind of rapidly became apparent that this wasn't this wasn't the whole of the story, and I don't want to kind of really dwell on on the on, on that. But the... to be clear, the experience of the people who saw the faked child pornography was deeply uncomfortable. The experience, as I imagine it, for the Zoom bombers was, dude, check this out. This is the best part. This is awesome. There is an out group, and that's us. And there is an in group, and that in group does axiomatically not want anything to do with us. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, um, Owen, but uh, Mary Shelley is a distant relative of mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, my um, my uh, my parents have uh, at home um, her sewing box, and one can imagine, as Victor stitched together his monster, our Zoom bombers stitching together their 
lives out of precious little but the disgust of the normies they despise. And in Mary Shelley's sewing kit, there was one little surprise. Press the poles of this thing to, to open it up and reveal the sugar plum that he's hidden inside it. And it had been kept in her sewing box. Yeah. The things that these people do don't interest me in a cybersecurity sense anymore because they're not interesting attacks. They're they're merely most of it is pulling the uh, what's the what's the saying? It's grabbing the low hanging fruit. And it wasn't until I listened back to this tape that I realized how smart RJ is. Because if we're going to be talking about things that we want to have less of, we can't reinforce them behaviorally. And as he points out. These zoo bombings are super lame by people who have very little to offer otherwise. Or maybe we have very little to offer them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so in our sort of psychological language, uh, that, that goes straight to the heart of this phrase, epistemic trust, doesn't it? That, 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 that the door to help in, in, in these people's minds is, is pretty firmly closed to anybody like you and me. Um, uh, there are limited therapeutic options listed, at least, for monsters. Therapeutic options, yes. But speaking as the monster for this episode, I think more importantly, we have limited compassion and curiosity. It's so easy to look at a Zoom bomber and say, away, you monster. But taking a more mentalized stance, I want to know what was their moment of going off into the woods and finding that home only to be rejected? Which people and societal norms crushed them into being a monster? Uh, are we offering up our uh, group therapy groups for the Zoom bombers to come and not Zoom bomb, but to come and get therapy? Is that what's happening? Because, you know, I'm, I'm here for that. I guess you would be. So <laughs> well, the, yeah. <laughs> so the idea would be, like, group... I guess they'd have to turn their cameras off. Yeah, I mean, I run group therapy for narcissists, for people with antisocial personality, and we have definitely generally are, we turn your camera on. But given the nature of who these people are, uh, I can imagine turning the camera off maybe the best way to start and build trust. And then when we trust each other more, we could turn the cameras on, perhaps. So they can pay in Bitcoin, or Ethereum, or Litecoin, or XRP, <laughs> or any other number of crypto options. Uh, sure, sure. But they got to show up and not Zoom bomb. I mean, I, th I think I feel bad for them. I don't want them Zoom bombing my uh, webinars, but I think... So, like, group therapy for Zoom bombers. I mean, if they want to do it, I, I'm stranger things have happened. Info at... Oh, no. <laughs> um, stranger things have happened. Um, so, I guess this is kind of a call to action. Uh, Zoom bombers, if you can let us know, like, politely, without Zoom bombing, that you'd want a therapy group, maybe we could have, like, an email address that would be, like, very thoroughly vetted for attachments... Uh, it's really, it's hard. But everyone deserves help. Not everyone's ready to receive it. Maybe the Zoom bombers will prove us wrong. Maybe. Here's hoping. Or they'll just Zoom bomb us. This has been Remotely Possible. 
the show about anxiety, uncertainty, and existential despair. A podcast made by, and in some ways for, the team at Brooklyn Minds. On the web at www.brooklynminds.com. I'm Owen Muir, and I'm your host and engineer. Our logo is by Cortex Creations, or you're not going to call one after LifeNet. Nobody uses a phone anymore. But don't kill yourself. Seriously. And if you're super into podcasts, which I imagine you are if you're listening to this, check out the Listen app. And it lets you engage directly with the creators of podcasts like this one. The music was a gift by the unbelievably beautiful human John Vanderslice. This is the instrumental of Dead Sleep Pacific. And he's got a Patreon. It's in the show notes. 